title of my message today is The Principles of Promotion. The Principles of Promotion. Who is promotable? What are the characteristics of a person that God can and wants to promote? We're going to talk about it today. There are a number of passages of Scripture I could go to to talk about promotion. We could talk about Joseph, who was faithful and remained faithful in the midst of unfair circumstances. I mean, that certainly is the key to promotion, being faithful no matter what's going on around you, sticking by the stuff, being faithful, not wavering. And the Bible says Joseph found favor everywhere he went. Even in prison, he found favor and he stayed faithful. But we're not going there today. We can talk about Daniel and his character and his integrity and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they wouldn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't break, and God spared their lives because of their integrity and because of their stand for him. You've got to stand for something if God can promote you. But we're not talking about Daniel today. We could go back to King David. I mean, here's a guy from the backside of nowhere tending to sheep, but when he saw an opportunity, he took it and he defeated Goliath. And God promoted him in spite of his background, in spite of what he went through with his own parents, God used him because he took advantage of a moment. See, every person that's ever done kingdom things or been promoted in business or whatever field it is, you pick the field, they've taken advantage of a moment. Can I get an amen? A Kairos moment. They've invested, they've stepped out, they've been willing to risk it all for the greater good. And whenever you move by faith like that, it moves the hand of God. I remember my friend Tim McClure is in heaven now. He passed during COVID. But he, he listen, he went all in financially three or four times. Two or three times he, he came out great. A few times he didn't. And he would look at me and Ken and go, it's just money, guys. And he told me in my backyard after laying hands on me and prophesying stuff over me, he said, if you're not willing to risk it all, you're not ready to be blessed. And there's something about faith. And if you're ever going to be promoted in God's kingdom, you've got to be willing to deny yourself and go all in. We can talk about Ruth. She chose covenant over comfort. She clung to Naomi. And she was faithful in the field and received a redeemer. And she was blessed because she chose covenant over comfort. We're not talking about her today, though. We could talk about Esther, who stayed in covenant with Mordecai and followed the voice of God that led her all the way to the throne, and she saved a nation. God promoted her. We love to teach on these powerful men and women of God, don't we? Such an encouragement to us all, but... Today I want to talk to you about someone that didn't get it right. Because we can learn a lot from the heroes of the faith, but every now and then we need to learn a lesson or two from the zeros of the faith. Every now and then you can learn from someone's mistakes as much as you can another's successes. And today we learn from someone's mistakes. This will tie into the covenant of marriage. This will tie, in, tie into David and Jonathan which we've spoke about the last four to five weeks. We know that David took advantage of a moment by defeating Goliath. He came 
into national prominence because of his willingness to take that chance. After he defeated Goliath, King Saul, who we know ended up hating David because of the favor of God on David's life, King Saul offered his oldest daughter to David in marriage. David had a number of wives, many of them we never hear anything about, with the exception of Bathsheba because it was his greatest sin and she birthed his greatest son. But we forget the other wives, and so King Saul, after David has defeated Goliath, he's stepped into national prominence, King Saul says, listen, I want to offer you my oldest daughter in marriage. You say, well, that's not right, these arranged marriages. Well, this was a long time ago, and that was the culture. Sometimes in the Bible, just because something's in there doesn't, doesn't mean that Jesus is condoning it. It's just reporting on the way the culture was at that time. Many of the marriages were arranged. And so King Saul offers his daughter, but ends up tricking David and not giving him his oldest daughter. 1 Samuel 18, 17. When he approached David, David felt unworthy of this honor. He was like, look, I'm not worthy to be your son-in-law. You're the king I, I'm just a military man. I'm just a general. I, I, you know, he, he didn't want anything from Saul but love and a covering. 1 Samuel 18, 20 sets the stage for David's first wife, Michal. Everybody say Michal. Saul's next daughter was named Michal. She was in love with David, it says in 1 Samuel 18. And when they told King Saul about this, he was pleased. Saul requested a strange price for his daughter, Michal. He wanted a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Now, I know that's weird. I get it. Basically, he wanted this military man to go and murder and take the fight to the Philistines and become victorious. All of this was a demonic setup because he was threatened by David's anointing and he wanted David to die. So he thought he'd send him out to fight the Philistines and give this huge ransom. And if he didn't come through, he'd be killed. Victory for King Saul. I get rid of this guy that everybody's starting to like better than me. That was the plan. Well, David was the man. So he brought back 200 foreskins because he was the man anointed by God. And so when he did this, Saul kept his word and it infuriated him. Later, after David was married to Michal, Saul would send people to kill David after he's thrown the spear at him. Things had gotten worse. He'd become paranoid, King Saul. He was losing his mind. He was leading from a paranoid place. And so he sent people to kill David. And Michal, who I believe loved David at the beginning, not in a covenant way, but a connected way. I'll tell you, what do you mean, Pastor Ronnie? See, some of you are drawn to people. You have a connection with them, but there's no covenant there. 
it, that's why a lot of marriages end in divorce because it starts with a connection without a covenant. You're drawn to that person, but you're not committed to them or they're not committed to you. You just have a sexual or some kind of physical attraction. That's a connection. But a connection without a covenant is destined to end in divorce. And we see that a lot in, in our commitments as Christians. We're connected to something. We want to be connected to this church or connected to this group or connected to this or connected to that. But we don't want to go into a covenant where we sacrifice who we are so that a place or a people can become who they are. Y'all ain't ready. So Saul sends men kill David. His wife helps him. She comes up with this crazy. She puts idols in the bed and horse hair and pretends like he's asleep, helps him. He, he goes on the run. And then her father, King Saul, confronts her and she lies to King Saul and basically says, listen, he threatened to kill me if I didn't help him, Dad. David runs for his life. He runs. And he's gone for a long while. And during this time, King Saul, because he had the authority to do it, had Michal marry one of his loyal generals. So in other words, King Saul made Michal an enemy to David. But worse than that... She allowed it. She married a man named Palti, son of Laish. And Saul's perspective at that time, I believe, was, okay, I couldn't kill him. So now my daughter has helped him flee. So in order to get her back in covenant with me and make sure she is for me and my kingdom, I'm going to make sure she marries someone that's for me, not him. Crazy stuff. The only other thing we hear about this Michal is that when David came into the kingdom, when Saul and Jonathan died on the battlefield, which I preached to you about a few weeks ago, and David becomes king, it says that David demanded that she come back as his wife. And you'd think that this was some kind of um, covenant or love story, but in fact it was... It was more of a missional decision because he had the south and he needed the north. And in, in order for him to gain complete control of the kingdom, he needed that relationship with Michal. It wasn't a covenant. It was a connection. It was a relationship built on agenda, not intimacy. Is anybody with me today? He wanted what he could get out of her Early on, she wanted what she could get out of him, but there was no genuine relationship there. It was all business. The last thing we hear about her is our text today. 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning with verse 20. David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He's dancing with all of his might before the Lord like only David can do. 
I mean, he's stripping off the clothes. This guy knew how to worship God. He had to know how to worship God because I'm telling you, David was complex to say the least. David had some demons. David had some struggles. But the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. Even though he had some struggles, he knew how to get in that secret place of the Most High God. And he's dancing before the Lord and he's giving it everything we've got. And Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said, how glorious was the king of Israel today. Everybody say sarcasm. Uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. In other words, you think you're so bad, David. You think you're so awesome. You just think all the ladies want you. You're stripping off your clothes. You're dancing for the Lord. You're making a fool of yourself. You're just a fool, and you're embarrassing me. So David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet. And will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. I don't want to get too graphic on a Sunday morning, but she did not birth children because she was barren. She did not birth children because David looked at her as unfertile and infertile, and he would never sow seed in her ground again after she mocked the spirit and mocked him and betrayed him time and time again. See, some people are still in an arranged marriage where there's no intimacy, where there's no covenant, where there's no authenticity, and it wasn't that God struck her barren. It was that David knew what she was and she knew what he was. Scary. What are some decisions she made that cost her the kingdom? When David fled to Adullam, she stayed behind with her own dad and the previous kingdom, rather than going with her husband and ended up marrying David's enemy. Can you imagine? Michal is a picture of the unfaithful bride, the unfaithful friend, the unfaithful church member, the disloyal person that you've given everything to and they've given you nothing in return. So what are some principles of promotion? Five of them and we're out. Number one, if you're going to be a person of promotion, it begins and ends with covenant. Everybody say covenant. She as the bride should have gone with David when she helped him leave, but she chose to stay in the past rather than advance her future. She chose what was comfortable. She chose her own father over her husband. She chose the comfort of her past over the challenges of the future. 
I taught you three weeks ago what the word covenant means. It means to shed blood. It's the Hebrew word bereath. It's what David and Jonathan had. It is covenant friendship, covenant marriage, covenant relationship with your church, with Jesus Christ. It's a covenant. It's about blood. It's no matter where you go or what you do, I'm with you, Ruth and Naomi, Paul and Timothy. It is the power of agreement. It is when you say, I'm with you through thick or thin. I'm with you on your good days. I'm with you on your bad days. I'm with you on the days nobody else wants to be with you. It's a covenant. If you're going to be a person of promotion, you best understand what it means to be in covenant and what it means to be loyal. Principle number two, if you're going to be a person of promotion, it forces you to leave the comfort of your past. Mikhail refused to do this. She wanted to be Saul's daughter more than she wanted to be David's wife. She was a princess, but she could have been a queen. But she chose to stay back in what was comfortable rather than go on into her future. Let me tell you something in the kingdom of God. You can choose to stay in your little denomination the way you was raised in your same way of thinking you've always stayed in. Or you can take a faith chance and you can step out for God and choose for God to do a new thing in your life and on your life. And you'll see kingdom promotion. But you're never going to get where God wants you to get to. Staying in religion, staying in the past, worrying what everybody thinks. See, you miss what God's chosen for your own comfort. She was comfortable in the house of Saul. I mean, she was the princess. She'd been spoiled there. One of my favorite movies is Coal Miner's Daughter about Loretta Lynn and Doolittle. We watch it as a family every Thanksgiving. And when we were younger, everybody called me Doolittle and Kelly Loretta. And I started that, kind of, to aggravate Kelly. We watch it every Thanksgiving. It's a, it's a powerful movie. Even today, even with the new technology of movies, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones, Sissy Spacey, they just knock it out of the park. It's a powerful, powerful, true story of how Loretta Lynn became the godmother of country music. She wanted to quit. Doolittle did a lot of things wrong, but he believed in that woman. And he pushed her into her destiny. But there's a part in that movie where Loretta's family, they never wanted nothing for Loretta but to stay in a coal mine and die like they did. And Doolittle wanted to get her out of the coal mines of West Virginia. But she was torn between her family and her future. And I love what Tommy Lee Jones, who plays Loretta's late husband, Doolittle, says. He says, Darling, you're going to have to figure out whether you're his daughter or my wife. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to figure out whether you're his child or this world's. Sometimes you're going to have to figure out, even in marriage, whether you're going to embrace the new thing God has for you or you're going to stay trapped in the past. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Promotion principle number three. A person that's worthy of a promotion always honors authority, always. A promotable person is an honorable person. Mikhail didn't do this. She didn't honor her father, Saul, and she didn't honor her husband. Here's what I've learned. Dishonorable people, it never is just about one job, one church, one this, one that. Dishonor is a disease, and it will manifest itself in the new job, in the last job, in the first church, in the new church, can I get an amen? This is a disease, and people don't understand it. Listen, 
You have to get to a place in your life where you can tell the difference between Saul and David, between Judas and John. See, some people can't tell the difference between Saul, who's losing his mind paranoid and jealous, and David, anointed by God. Some people can't tell the difference between Judas and John, the disciple Jesus loved. You need the Holy Spirit to help you understand who's good for your life. Who's going to help you become a person of promotion? Who's going to do that? Because God doesn't want you to stay still. God wants you to do things, advance things, prosper, bless, take new jobs, step out in faith. God wants you to do it. A promotable person is an honorable person. A promotable person is a problem solver, not a problem stirrer. Thank God for you, Denise. Denise has never stirred up no mess. The only thing she might have ever done wrong is solved a problem that was somebody else's because she got tired of looking at the problem even if it wasn't hers to do. She was a problem solver, not a problem stirrer. One of my favorite guys to follow, he's old as Methuselah now, Mike Murdoch. His wisdom keys are brilliant. I don't care if you like him or not, he's a genius. Mike always says that if you want to make yourself valuable to your employer, learn how to solve problems. It's the truth. Nobody wants a problem stir. Some people, you give a problem and they stir it or they sit on it or they bring more people in on it. Next thing you know, a two-person problem is a 10-person problem. Then a 10-person problem is a 15-person problem. Look who's solving the problems and who's stirring the problems. Promote those who solve the problems. A promotable person is a trusted vessel. Someone you can trust, someone that won't betray you, won't leave you in the wilderness by yourself as Mikael did David. She should have been by her husband's side. A promotable person is a teachable person. It's a teachable person. You know, we all have something new we should be learning. We've never arrived, we've, we've never achieved a level of knowledge to where we can't learn more. And I don't want anybody under me, beside me, behind me that I can't teach. My father always said this, you'll find out if you're someone's pastor the moment you disagree with them and bring correction. And some of y'all amen that, but the moment I bring correction, you'll have your panties in a wad and you'll be stirring stuff and playing victim. But here's the way I roll. The first time I breathe correction or say, I think you've got a spirit you need to deal with, and you say, no, I don't, I say, deal with it. I'm not investing anymore if you don't have a teachable spirit. You have to be teachable. David would have blessed and restored his wife because it started with a genuine connection. It started with eros, it started with a love connection, but it never made its way to covenant. But I believe David wanted to at one time, and so did Michal. She disregarded her future as queen because she first denied the king's offer. Next, she despised the king's worship. Third, she disappointed the king's heart. You want to dishonor your husband, ladies? Deny his efforts? Shame him publicly, disregard his heart, the matters of the heart, and make fun of him when he worships God. I tell you, that's a quick way 
to ruin the covenant of marriage. Number four, a promotable person. And we touched on this a few weeks ago, so I won't linger here too long. Values intimate relationships. It says, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. 2 Samuel 6, 23. I told you what that meant. I won't draw you a picture. But she did not leave a legacy because she lacked intimacy and she was not an intimate person because she was not a spiritual person. She mocked the things of God. Let me tell you something, friend. I've seen good people, moral people, religious people mock the things of God and things start to happen in their lives that cannot be explained, negative things, things nobody wants to happen to them. Be careful what you say about a move of God or a church or a move of the Holy Spirit. Listen, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. Sometimes God moves in such a way that it can't be explained by religion. A promotable person values intimate relationships. Number five, a promotable person replicates or makes way for others. Listen, we're all just stewards on this earth. What we achieve is not ours. What we have is not ours. What titles that have been bestowed on us are not ours. We're stewards of them for a short season. And a truly godly person passes the baton doesn't seek glory like Saul for themselves. And when you get to a place in Christianity where the Spirit's really moving and you're in a new place of maturity, it becomes about what you leave behind, not what you gather up for yourself. It becomes about who's coming after you and what you've invested, not just financially, but spiritually and emotionally into the generation that's coming after you. David wanted to bless her. She chose to blaspheme him. She let her mouth ruin her miracle. Don't do that today, friend. Don't do that in this season or even next season. Become a promotable person. Become a person of character, integrity, and honor. Become a person that God wants to bless and use. Become a good steward of the gifts he's placed on the inside of you. Get over your fear and anxiety and be who God's called you to be. Be blessed. This pastor wants to see you blessed. I want to see you having joy. I want to see you accomplishing your dreams. Even if it means you get promoted outside these walls, I want everybody connected to me to be blessed and to be chasing their dreams because I'm chasing mine. I want you to chase yours. You say, Pastor Ronnie, I'm new to church. I don't even understand where all this comes from. I don't even know God. Can I tell you something as we close? You want to know how you can get to know God? You want to know how you can spend an eternity in heaven with him? It's every principle I've given you today. Number one, it begins and ends with covenant. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish and have everlasting life. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. It begins and ends with a covenant and the good news is the blood has already been shed. The penalty's already been paid. Jesus died for every bad decision you have ever made or ever will make. You are saved by grace in accordance with Ephesians and it has already been paid for so it begins and ends with a covenant. You want to go deeper in your walk with God? You want to become a more faithful person? Get a go on with God. Number two, remember, you got to leave your past comforts. You want to come to know Jesus? It begins and ends with the covenant, but you got to leave the past. Repent. The Bible says repent and be saved. Repent and be baptized. That's the kingdom message. Repent in the Greek means to turn around and go the other direction. You're never going to get where God wants you to get to if you're unwilling to leave the past behind, it doesn't want you anymore, and you shouldn't want it. You say, what, what about after I'm saved? Well, if you want to become a disciple, now saved to get you into heaven, but a disciple will bless you. That means you get crowns in heaven. Number three, you got to become a person that's submitted to authority. You've got to learn how to be a kingdom person in the workplace, in the marketplace, in the church house. You've got to put a high value on intimacy, number four. Intimate relationships. You've got to care about people. You've got to see people the way God sees them. And finally, you've got to replicate. What does replicate mean? It means disciple people. If you're a true Christian, your job is to make others better, to bring others to where you are. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. What? Baptizing them. Come on, help me. There we go. Replicate. Be a person that leaves a legacy, that passes the baton, that takes time to make others better. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? It begins and ends with covenant. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, I can't think of a better day than today. Our pastors are going to go ahead and make their way down front. And they're going to be waiting for you. But if you need Jesus Christ in your life, you say, Pastor Ronnie, I want to take my next steps with God. I want to become a promotable person. I want to get to heaven. I want, to, I want that promotion. Pray this prayer with me. Just pray with me. Have his house help me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your spirit and use me for your glory. If you're watching online on your phone, in your home, or in the house, and you prayed that prayer, you need to let us know. You need to make it public. The Bible says if you won't make it public, you're ashamed of me. I won't confess you in front of my father. You need to be a person of faith that's willing to leave the past. Come tell one of these pastors. Maybe you just have a dream today. You need promotion in your personal life. We're going to pray for that too in a minute. But would you stand on your feet all over this place as our worship team leads us? If you need to be saved, you need prayer, listen, don't sit there. Move, act by faith and watch what God will do. You come now as the Spirit leads and we worship.